all Haitians, young and old, whatever they are, remember today. This celebration of the Jumu soup, at this gloomy moment of our journey as a people, at the end of a most trying year, is a new torch that will rekindle our fate for a better tomorrow. That's all the news from RTHK. Improve electoral system. Ensure patriots administering Hong Kong. RTHK reminds you that the Legislative Council general election will take place on December 19th. Remember to vote. Good morning and welcome to the week on three with me, Noreen Mir. Just a week until Christmas, so I hope you're all sorted for your Christmas gifts and can also take the time to remember those who are less fortunate than us. And I hope you can bring them some Christmas cheer through our annual charity campaign, Operation Santa Claus. Now this year, we're supporting 18 worthy charities, from the elderly to ethnic minorities to children in need, those with physical and intellectual disabilities. And this year for Operation Santa Claus, we also have a brand new website. So if you get a chance, I hope you can visit it. It's oschk.org. And you can check out all the activities and ways you can support OSC 2021. This week on 3, we have a variety of special programs. And I have selected a few just for you, including music, education and current affairs, and even about dating. On Wednesday's 123 show, I spoke with Darwin Kang, the co-founder of dating app Coffee Meets Bagel, about their new survey on what makes Hong Kongers tick when it comes to dating, relationships and finding a partner. And topping the list, it seems that the ladies are still picky when it comes to dating a shorter man. A lot of social scientists do say that this is embedded in our biology and so um, for women, because of the, I mean, this is an evolutionary psychologist theory. For women, it's difficult for us to, uh, you know, populate ourselves because of the number of pregnancies that we can, you know, it, it takes nine months for us to be able to have our own offspring. And so women are choosier when it comes to uh, selecting their uh, partner. And um, because, you know, back in the days when we were, you know, living in the day of cave, caves and hunting, we needed to be in, with a, in, in a partnership in order to survive with the really, really strong men. And height kind of is a symbolization of that. So, you know, I think a lot of people equate that with power or strength. And so, you know, a lot, a lot of times when women... I meet daters and I used to be one of them too. I used to be like, okay, I need, need to date a guy who's tall. So I, I'm guilty of this myself. Um, mentioned that I need, I need somebody who's tall. I would ask like, well, why do you think that is? And then underneath that, it always, it almost always came down to, you know, I feel safer uh, around guys who are taller than me. And so the sense of safety uh, was, they were kind of getting that from the sense of height. And I would emphasize to them, hey, you don't have to get that actually from height. There are a lot of uh, not so tall men or even shorter than uh, uh, men who are shorter than you who can actually make you feel safe as well. So give them a chance. Yeah, actually, you're absolutely right. Maybe it comes from a sort of biological evolutionary. You feel sort of protected, but you're absolutely right. It, protection comes in many forms and height may not be <laughs> one of them. <laughs> And there are a ton of, you know, there are a ton of tall guys who who seemingly can provide you with a sense of safety. They'll run they the can. other way <laughs> if in danger. <laughs> so 
yes. Some of the other things that sort of sends dates running uh, include uh, whiny voices and gym selfies. <laughs> I was quite surprised about the gym selfies because in this day and age, people are always uploading on their Instagram, you know, uh, fitness things and, and how to, you know, uh, stay healthy. Um, why do you think gym selfies are such a turnoff? <laughs> Oh, you don't, you know, the way I was, I was, there were a lot of things that I was surprised by, but that wasn't one of my surprises, Jim <laughs> Self, because I hear that a lot. Uh, again, um, uh, uh, actually, a lot, often, than, um, more than, uh, more from women than men. The reason why a uh, lot of women mention that they don't like Jim Selfie is because it feels like the guy who put the Jim Selfie on as one of their profiles feels like they're too into themselves. Ah, and, and, yeah. yeah so and they don't want they don't I, and so they're not there to explain so people do make snap judgment when it comes to online dating unfortunately that is human nature i i used to do that a lot myself and um you know that's kind of the story that people attach to gym selfies ah that that perhaps that they really love themselves and i suppose yeah i mean but the, the other side of it is he here's a person who really looks after their health and their fitness and and treats their body as a temple i i, I don't know actually <laughs> That is true. That is true. Um, <laughs> that's a good thing for sure. Absolutely. But um, uh, I, I recommend if you're one of those people, instead of putting gym selfies, put photos of yourself um, doing some kind of outdoor activity. It could be biking, like whatever sports that you're, in, you know, you're into, or or uh, photos of yourself with a friend at a gym versus a selfie, like you're not taking selfie of yourself. Yeah, that's a really good recommendation. This way you're still showing one of your key hobbies, but it's sort of less um, me, 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 you know, and, and if you're out exactly. hiking. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So what are some of the other uh, lists, uh, some of the other things that are, um, I can see messiness is another one. Um, what are other ones that, that sort of tops the list of, of um, uh, undesirable traits? Yeah, the whiny voice. Um, uh, it was uh, talking too loudly. Was, a, was oh, another no. one. Personal hygiene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was funny when clipping nails in public. Um, oh. Also, was <laughs> was mentioned. Um, it was very specific, so it was very interesting. I, I can see long nose hairs is is another um, one as well. <laughs> But one thing, one thing that's interesting about your survey, Darwin, is that there was a comparison between millennials and sort of the, the older uh, demographic. What were the sort of things that um, older folks valued in a partner? Yeah, um, th this was really interesting to see. And I heard this a lot, but never really had a, had a statistic to back it up. Um, the younger, so the younger millennial uh, folks, did pro put more emphasis on things like good looks, um, confidence, being good in bed also um, came up. Whereas older folks really valued a partner who is low maintenance, so no drama, not boring, aka interesting, and doesn't get jealous. And so it really, to me, kind of spoke of character values um, versus something physical or skill skill set, um, like good in bed. And character is so important in a long-term partnership. And so I, I thought the older, more experienced folks were really onto something. 
And that was Dawoon Kang, the co-founder of dating app Coffee Meets Bagel, on Wednesday's 123 show. This week in the common room, Alison Howe caught up with American singer-songwriter Pink Sweats, and they talked about him coming up in second place most of the time. Here's Ali Howe. Before we delve into the plots and the shooting of the video, I saw that you said you got second place in every talent show in high school. Whoever yeah, I never got, got first, first place, place. Whoever got first place is really getting really nervous right now. <laughs> yeah, it was honestly, it was kind of funny because me and my brother used to always do it together because back then I never used to like singing by myself because I didn't feel like I was a good singer. And um, I remember every time we would get second place, it was weird because you would see like the winner would be standing here and then they like, have people over there and then we'll be second place, but then like everybody be over with us, like talking. Hey. And I would always be so, I'm like, are, are, are we getting cheated? I don't know. Like I never knew, I just thought it was weird. It's like, imagine being second place and you got more fans than yeah. the first one. Like I don't, I never understood that. That is really interesting though. Cause when you think about it, a lot of those reality TV shows you know, the winner gets to pull out an album, but then it's sometimes the second place or even the people that got, you know, exited out of the show that really make it yeah, later. That's true. Tori Kelly was on a uh, singing show and she didn't win. Exactly. And look at her. She's awesome. Yeah. That's like one of my favorite arts. Amazing. So now that you are in such a comfortable place, establishing yourself as an artist yourself, if you go back to high school and do these talent shows all over again, what would you have done differently? <laughs> <laughs> what I've done differently oh, man. honestly I wouldn't change anything because I, I, I used to do it with my brother so I feel like that was a bonding experience for us especially in high school because we were in uh, you know how high school is sometimes you don't want to hang with your younger siblings or like you know, like. but that was like our thing to like you know bond and keep us close together so I appreciate that Oh, that's wonderful. Now, I also got to see a little bit of a teaser on your IG where you just had a shout out to Khalid and then he yeah. followed back. Do we see something happening soon? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so amazing. We look forward to that. All right, now let's chat really deeper into the video. You look like you're one of those like romantic dudes in high school, you know, balloons in the corridor and all. Were you that <laughs> romantic back then? No, not at all, honestly. I, um, I probably was in my mind, you know, <laughs> like I, I feel like I just, I really didn't like the formality of high school. Like I, I was, I'm, I'm such a creative. So like in my mind, I felt like school wasn't catered for me. So I was just like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. Like, I was like my biggest thoughts all the time. Like, I'll be at home. Like, man, I, I can't wait till I don't have to go back to this place because it's kind of brutal. Looking ahead, I'm guessing, you know, for, for a high schooler, um, finding love or having the first taste of love was probably bigger than what's there to study when you were in a school. <laughs> well, was that the case for you too? I feel like the first time I, I thought I was in love was like, it definitely was somebody I probably didn't really know that well. Like I probably was just like somebody like, I like have, I didn't have a, um, 
a handle on my imagination. Like, I, I, if I like that person, I'll be like, oh, I like you, whatever. But in, and like they know I like them. But in my head, I'm like, oh shoot, like, could this be the one? Could this be <laughs> it? Like, and then I would like just tell myself, nah, 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 nah. I'm too young. I'm too young. Like things like that. So. Wow, you go right to being, you know, finding the one. <laughs> Even as a I'm just a forward person, like in life. I feel like if it's even if like if I like something about someone, like I tell them. Like even if it's like like me and my fiance, like if we're out and like I see like uh, somebody has like a beautiful smile or like a nice jacket or something, like I I go up to them and I'm like, yo, like this jacket is so cool, like or. Like you have an amazing smile. Like I'm just that kind of person. You just say how it feels. Oh, we need more people like you. Sometimes, you know, particularly <laughs> through the pandemic, we realize that man, we really shouldn't just keep everything to ourselves. Yeah, some stuff, but not everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A little bit, it's fine. But we should be more generous with how we feel, particularly when it's yeah. positive towards yeah. other people. Yeah. All I right, love your hair, back. by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Let's talk about, you know, what's coming up in terms of music for you. We're just really loving. Nothing feels better. What else is happening coming from Pink Sweats? I have the project Pink Moon coming out in January. I'm super excited. Like, it's probably, I feel like it's one of my best works. But I hate to say that until people hear it because then I want them to decide, you know? And that was Pink Sweats on this week's Common Room. You can catch the Common Room Monday to Friday between 9 to 10 p.m. And next week, Alison Howe talks with the one and only Mariah Carey, so be sure not to miss their interview. Now, let's turn to education in Hong Kong. On Wednesday's Back Chat, hosts Jim Gould and Anna Fenton looked at how ethnic minority children in Hong Kong learn Chinese. To mull over this topic, Phyllis Jung, the executive director from Hong Kong Unison, which is a local NGO that advocates for the rights of ethnic minorities and non-Chinese-speaking children, as they talk a little bit more about their latest survey results and how starting young is the key to learning Chinese. A lot of the ethnic minority students in schools these days, uh, although uh, most most of them are actually um, born and raised in Hong Kong. And so if they start young, actually, um, and if they build a very good uh, Chinese uh, foundation, then um, it could have, it could save um, the government a lot of funding um, in the end. So um, what we see is uh, welcoming procedures, orientation for parents, and meeting with parents are very important in these other, uh, in, in the countries we study. We studied um, Germany, Finland, and also um, Ontario, Canada. Uh, whereas in Hong Kong, um, parents inform us that um, they, as the minority parents say, usually with kindergartens, um, they don't have a very close relationship with kindergartens. And um, more so, even to this day, uh, parents do face discrimination and do face difficulties of placing their children in um, mainstream kindergartens. So they usually would say, because your, your child doesn't, your child doesn't speak 
um, Cantonese or doesn't speak Chinese. So this kindergarten is not appropriate. Why don't you go to kindergartens that, you know, um, um, use English as a medium of instruction? But the thing is... Um, but but if, Phyllis, <laughs> sorry yes, to stop you ahead. there. If we're talking about the Nepalese community or the Pakistani community, English is not necessarily their language either. Exactly. Exactly, and that's the point. Um, that, that that's not their first language either, and they have um, they have to learn learn English. So we see kindergartens need to, um, a, a, a mindset change because that's education and kindergartens is the place where they can learn the language, right? And if the reasons of not speaking the language um, deters them to enter these kindergartens, then. It's it's not going to help the situation, and um, we understand the government has done um, a lot of things, but we hope that they could also add some um, some some policies and some measures. For example, for schools that actually um, receive funding for ethnic minority students in kindergartens, can the government do one more step and make sure that they have to do some orientation, some welcoming. Um, some welcoming procedures uh, so that the family feels welcomed and they don't feel uh, and the child doesn't feel neglected and parents know what's going on in the in the kindergarten can i just say this isn't a matter for what we classically consider ethnic minorities is it having been through the experience of trying to put my daughter through the local Chinese system, we came straight up against this too, in that there's no support with homework, there's no support with expectations, and you've no idea what level of competency your kid has achieved. Exactly. Yes, yes. And um, and, and, and so with um, the, the three countries we study, actually there are legislation. So I guess um, that helps with monitoring and also evaluation, making sure that things are actually um, going on. Because we also noticed, and it's not just um, Unison, the Audit Commission also sees that, um, reports that uh, some schools have not fully utilized the funding. Um, and so, I mean, they, they, they're giving the funding. So resources, financial resources are there, but how the schools use them and if they use them effectively, I don't think this has been um, followed uh, too in, in, intensely. Do they use so, the money to, em to employ extra staff members or not? Because I'm hearing they, they don't. Uh, they can. So there are different ways that they can use the funding, but some schools um, would say the funding because it's not um, it's not a like a um, uh, it's the same amount across the board. It depends on how many students the school, how many ethnic minority students the school takes in. So um, so sometimes schools say it's not enough to hire a full time teacher or an additional staff. But with our experience, um, we think, we, with our experience, we see that even, um, we've been running some online classes due to COVID, some online Chinese enhancement classes. So these are not tutorial classes. These are really, you know, um, teaching classes. And we're, we're talking about um, three, three days of about a 30 minute class for kindergarten students. And parents um, reflected that they, they're doing much better in school already. So we're saying, you know, you don't really need an additional full-time staff. It's um, more 
uh, more more Chinese time with the students to and to enhance and to also um, improve their Chinese proficiency, and also let to let parents know how their child uh, does in Chinese, because um, we see parents either think that children's Chinese is not good enough, so. Um, They would place them in schools with concentrated with ethnic minority students because they likely um, could not get into the very good band one English schools, or the other way is they think their Chinese, um, the children's Chinese proficiency is good, and once they get into primary school where actually Chinese is the language of instruction, then children suffer, and um, what we see is. They own. They don't only suffer in um, uh, in academic achievement, uh, because everything is all, all the subjects are taught in Chinese. Um, they actually feel uh, very defeated, and um, and they 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 feel very unhappy in school. And so that's why we think um, with the government one social worker once in one school system, social workers can also be. Um, We taught to raise awareness on um, the psychosocial aspect of the children. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and how about uh, teachers' professional competence? Uh, uh, you mentioned that in the three uh, areas that you studied, uh, Germany, Finland, the province of Ontario and Canada, uh, teachers who uh, work in this area, they're required to have uh, relevant professional qualifications in order to teach ethnic minorities. Right. What's the situation here? Um, yeah, in in Hong Kong, um, it doesn't matter um, because uh, there is no uh, uh, criteria to teach ethnic minority students, whether uh, teaching them um, uh, general subjects or uh, or Chinese. So um, we they, they don't need any relevant professional qualifications. Whereas the other countries we see, they actually receive either. Um, Uh, teacher, teacher training or professional development, and even in daycares, we see that in um, in Germany, uh, they have they have an early um, early years language proficiency proficiency program, and they actually provide guidance and counseling and also on the job training for daycare center workers, so that they can stimulate the children in in German in German like in in, in, in speaking and understanding German. So this is um, this is lacking in Hong Kong. Uh, first, I mean, not even in daycare centers, uh, teachers, and uh, be it kindergarten teachers or primary school teachers, they actually don't have any professional. They they are not required to have any professional um, qualifications. And that was Phyllis Jung, the executive director of Hong Kong Unison, on Wednesday's back chat. And now, let me finally leave you with some good old-fashioned music entertainment. Monday's afternoon drive with Steve James. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Until next week. All right, people, it's the Steve James Monday afternoon drive. He sounds too good to be true. On Radio Three, and you can't find a flaw with his style. Oh, the factories may be roaring with the boom-a-lack, zoom-a-lack, wee. But there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four. Everything stops for tea. Oh, a lawyer in a courtroom, in the middle of an alimony plea, has to stop and help him pour when the clock strikes four. Everything stops for tea. Tea break this afternoon, celebrating the fact that this day, 2002, UK music channel Music Choice. Analyzed all the Christmas number one singles from the last 30 years. 
and identified criteria for their success. These included the use of sleigh bells, children singing, church bells, harmony, and references to love. They concluded that Sir Cliff Richard's 1988 hit, Mistletoe and Wine, was the perfect Christmas hit. And you know what? I agree.
system ensure patriots administering hong kong rthk reminds you that the legislative council general election will take place on december 19th remember to vote